Profile. You are tuned into episode 29. Today we have a first on the show. This is a first ever. It will be a solo episode. You will be listening to myself, Cyrus. We're going to discuss winners and losers from the Combine. i got to give a shout-out to uh, Durgan, though. He put a lot of work in this, and um, if you want to learn more about the Weekly Spiral's takes and Durgan specifically on the Combine and the draft, check us out at weeklyspiral.com. There's a lot of cool information there. But without further ado, let's dive right in. So first off, let's talk about some winners. The first winner is Chase Claypool, wide receiver out of Notre Dame. He is a bigger wide receiver, but he runs fast, which is phenomenal. So just to put that in perspective, there's only two wide receivers that are six foot four plus and two thirty-five pounds plus that have run sub four four five in the forty since two thousand three. The first of which is Calvin Johnson, Megatron. So Having your name in that conversation is huge, and he improved his draft stock a lot. I see Chase Claypool probably coming in uh, early day two pick, high second round, um, maybe sneaks into the first, but this is a really, really deep wide receiver class, so I think that might push him into the second, but you're getting a, you're getting a quality talent with a lot of upside, uh, up, upside with his athleticism as well. Um, let's dive into the second winner, Mekki Becton, offensive tackle out of Louisville. This is the largest person in Indianapolis at the combine. It's not even close. Six foot seven, three hundred and sixty-four pounds. Um, he may be the largest, but he didn't run like it at all. This man put up a five one one forty time, five seconds, five point one one seconds forty time at three hundred and sixty-four pounds. Fastest time ever for a player over three hundred fifty pounds. Faster than a lot of players who weigh substantially less than that at the combine. Um, so, I mean, my stance on the 40 time, especially for offensive linemen is it's not really the most relevant thing. I'm way more interested in 10 yard split, their footwork, um, and other drills show like, uh, quickness and, and agility. But I mean, that shows you the freak athlete that this guy is at his size. Um, and I think this kind of cements him in my mind as a top 10 pick in the draft. Offensive tackle is always going to be a premium position. And when you find sort of that generational athleticism that you know these offensive line coaches and these head coaches can mold into what they want and and uh ideally find your franchise left tackle that's invaluable so i think he's cemented as a top 10 could sneak even higher and maybe maybe top five if there's a desperate team um for an offensive tackle but top 10 for sure let's move on to the third winner and that goes to jonathan taylor running back out of wisconsin so the only two running backs in the last four combines to finish the 40-yard dash in under 4.4 seconds are Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, two very athletic running backs, speedsters. Jonathan Taylor, nobody in my mind, I didn't expect him to come in and run this. I, I saw him around 4-5, um, and I think that's where most people saw him. Odds makers, uh, Vegas predicted 4.1 or 4.51, excuse me, as uh, his finish, but 4.39 is where he ended up running. That's elite speed. So, you know, he can he can run a lot of outside zone. He can really do whatever you ask of him. He's, he's got some size to him. So I think he might sneak into the first round. He wasn't a first-round prospect in my mind um, previously, but he could sneak into the end of the first round. A lot of teams like to take running backs towards the end of the first round um, or in the second. So we'll see where he lands, but I think he helped his draft stock a lot. And just to put that in context, 4.39, I mean, that's faster than most running backs in the league and faster than we talk about elite players like OBJ 
DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones at the wide receiver position who are pretty pretty fast and uh, quick. This guy is faster than them. So I think uh, I think he's I think he's done good things at the combine. He's probably going to sneak into the first round, if not early second. The fourth would be Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle out of Iowa. This may be the most freakish combine I've ever seen. This guy is over 320 pounds, probably 330. He set a combine record for vertical jump for an offensive lineman, 36.5 inches. That's higher than DeAndre Hopkins' jump. That's higher than Jerry Judy jumped in this same combine. It's higher than A.J. Green. It's higher than Amari Cooper. These are elite athletes at wide receiver, and this offensive lineman who's 330 pounds is, is jumping higher than them. He tied, he tied the record for broad jump uh, with offensive linemen throughout the history of the combine, 10 foot 1 inch. And then on top of that, you throw in a 4.85.40 time, best among all offensive linemen in 2020 and fastest ever for a player over 320 pounds. This guy's a freak, man. This is a generational talent when it comes to uh, athleticism, and he's going to be a franchise tackle in this league. So he, in my mind, he could also be top 10. I think this is, uh, this is, this is worth the pick if you're looking for an offensive lineman. And he ran a 7.653 cone time, which is fifth best. Um, but he Duke can shuffle his feet. He's got good footwork. This is what you're looking for in an offensive lineman, I think. Um, let's move on. Then we got on the defensive side of the ball. Isaiah Simmons, linebacker. We call him linebacker. He's much more than that, but linebacker out of Clemson. He's arguably the most versatile player in this draft. Um, when he was in, when he was at Clemson, he lined up all over the field, literally wherever they needed him to. He could he could play and line up. Um, and it was funny they they asked him a reporter at the NFL Combine, "What position do you play? What position would you prefer to play?" And he just said, "Defense." That's all he said. One word, defense. And that kind of sums it up. He can play literally anywhere on the field. He's just under 240 pounds, six foot four, 39 inch vert in the 92nd percentile, 11 feet, 11 foot broad jump, 98th percentile. That's huge. And a 439, 40 yard dash, 99th percentile. At that size, he's might be the most explosive prospect in the draft. And he should be a lock in the top 10 as well. Generational athleticism. This guy's a, this guy's a beast. Um, and it's when production meets, you know, the, what you see in the combine, um, tape meets the combine stats is when you really have a superstar on your hands. So I, I think Isaiah Simmons is a, is a no brainer, no brainer pick. I would take him for sure. And then my last winner, um, Henry Ruggs, the third, you know, this is a speed league. This is speed is always going to be important. Um, it changes the game. It changes your offense. It allows you to do so many things that you wouldn't be able to do without it. And Henry Ruggs came out and ran a four, two, seven, 40, four, two, seven. I mean, anytime you run sub four, three, it's, it's insane. This is the fourth fastest ever at the combine ever recorded. And then not only did he come out and run a four, two, seven, he had a 42 inch vert. The only player ever to run a sub 4.3 and post a 40-inch vert. Never been done. Henry Ruggs came out, destroyed the combine. I think he he put himself somewhere in the top, easily the top 20 in the draft. Teams fall in love with speed. I think his athleticism, um, he's going he's gonna to go high, um, even in this deep wide receiver draft class. He, he's definitely a winner in my mind. Uh, let's dive into losers. So my first loser has got to go to LaVisca Chenault. Uh, wide receiver out of Colorado. So, 
I mean, this is an unfortunate one because he's a talented guy and he, he came into the combine uh, battling a core muscle injury and the core is a super important part of the body. So he ended up running a four five eight at the combine. On film, I mean, Durgan compared him to Debo Samuel. He looks kind of similar. He's got some shiftiness to him. He, he looks like a four five guy to me, maybe four between four 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 five um on his 40 yard dash but he ran a little slower and i don't know what you know whether that's injury whether what's going on um it's possible that he can run faster than four or five eight um it's also possible that's just you know that's just what type of player he is right shifty quicker than fast as they like to say he's shifty in space um but straight line speed isn't there either way i think he could be a potentially a steal if he falls due to this combine performance um it seems like he's having surgery and he will be ready to go for the season so hopefully as long as it's not something where there's a reoccurring injury risk he could be a a nice pickup for somebody um you know that's looking to pick up a wide receiver late this is a really deep class so if you need talent you're gonna be able to find it you know through the first four rounds potential starters so the next loser and possibly one of the most interesting ones is Trey Adams, offensive tackle out of Washington. Um, This guy was last or bottom five in almost every single drill for offensive linemen, every single uh, combine drill. And I'm just thinking at this point, he may not have the athleticism to compete at the next level. I mean, these, you got to think the edge rushers in the NFL are the best of the best. They're elite athletes. They're usually, um, you know, that's a prime position. Teams go out and pay big bucks or draft high um, to get a player like Nick Bosa, you know, to get uh, some sort of elite pass rusher. And you need an offensive tackle that's going to be able to keep up. And the athleticism that he displayed, um, I don't know that it does it. I don't think it does. And I think he slips very, very, f- a lot farther than than people would have thought because he, he was solid in, in uh, at Washington, but... Um, I'm not sure that his, I think he, his combine performance hurt him a lot. Uh, and then a funny story that happened too. a reporter asked him if there was one thing, what would you change about yourself? There's one thing about yourself you could change. What would it be? And he sat on that question for a second, thought about it maybe for 10 seconds and looked back up at the reporter and sort of in like, he was trying to be funny, but it just kind of wasn't funny. It was like, what, what are you saying, dude? He said, bigger dick, question mark. And like, bro, you're in a combine situation. Everybody is scrutinizing everything you're saying, looking at you, deciding whether or not you have a future and a career. And you you can't be saying stupid shit like that. So I I don't know, man. I think he's, he is kind of digging his own grave there with that, with both with his performance and then his, his antics and saying some stupid shit. Um, let's move on. The next loser, which is kind of unfortunate, this is one of Durgan's favorites, AJ Epinesa, edge rusher out of Iowa. So this is a guy who is productive. He's a little bit large. He's kind of a tweener in terms of size. He's 280 pounds. So it's larger on the, you know, when you're talking edge rusher and it's a small tackle could be a third down defensive tackle. Um, he ran a five one and I think at, as at an edge rusher, you need to be at that, in that four, eight range in order to, to sort of have that athleticism that you need at the next level. Um, he's got elite hands. He's got good footwork. He can, he can bend. But I don't know that he has the speed that teams like in their edge rushers. Um, so 
without that natural athleticism, does does his his does his talent translate to the NFL? I don't know. Time will tell. I think you know this performance takes him out of first round consideration. If he had come out and run a, a good forty time and, and shown a, you know a better uh, better explosiveness, maybe he's in the first round. But this kind of takes him out of that for me. Um, another loser, Jawan Jennings, wide receiver out of Tennessee. He's got that. He's got kind of the ideal frame you want in a receiver. Six three, two fifteen. Um, regularly pulled down jump balls and yards after catch in Tennessee. He played pretty well, uh, but he came out and ran a four seven two and twenty nine inch vert. So, do these numbers cut it at the next level? This is sort of a whole other conversation, right? How important is the forty time? If he can get separation, or can he even get separation at that speed? Um, I don't know that he can at the next level. I mean, you're, you're coming up against four, you know, consistently you're going to be coming up against four, four speed corners, if not, you know, some faster, but these were both second worst in, at the wide receiver position. And in a draft class, that's so stacked at this position at wide receiver. I think this kind of pushes him, this ruins his, his stock, which is kind of unfortunate for somebody who, who had a decent college career. So those are sort of the winners and losers from a player perspective. I have another surprise one at the end, which I'll um, dive into. But I also want to just clarify. So when we say winners and losers, um, kind of what I mean by that. So it's basically whether or not they meet the expectations that we have in our mind from an athleticism perspective. We see them on film. We see them play. And can they match what we see on tape and confirm it? Um, So, I mean, there are always going to be combine uh, workout warriors and really, at the end of the day, it's about production. If a player produces in-game on the field, to me, that's more valuable. And then I want to see them confirm what, what we see on tape and say, this guy looks fast. Oh, he also ran fast. Good. That's where they should be in the draft. Um, so really, it's kind of you know weeding out certain players that you, you think you know, look nice on tape and at the college level. And then you see them run a four seven four eight or a, a five one as an edge rusher, and you say, "Well, I don't. Is that something that will work in the NFL? Um, and is it worth this risk? Because there's opportunity cost. You have a certain pick at a certain time, and you have to hit. It's it's super important to hit on these picks. We've we've talked about it previously. It's more so than just the talent you're getting at that position. It's the salary cap implications. Having a player that can start and play and give you important reps on the field on a rookie contract." is super 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 important to franchises um you know to be able to go out sign players um maybe pay a quarterback which is always going to be a ton of money and it's only increasing um but the the uh the importance of hitting on picks is invaluable so you have to kind of make sure do your due do do your due diligence excuse me um and that's what the combine is about sort of confirming what you see on tape you know, during the season, during the college football season, and making sure that you're making the right pick. So winners and losers, a lot of times the losers didn't necessarily meet the expectations that we may have seen on film. And that is the main reason that they're a loser. Um, And then the winners either confirmed or completely blew out of the water what we had from, you know, expectations like um, with Jonathan Taylor, for instance. Um, people expected him to come in, run four five to four six, and he ran a four three nine. So you're already looking at him as like a you know pretty decent running back, and then he comes in and, and runs that. So um, that happens too. But at the end of the day, you just want to make sure 
the production matches the athleticism. And then you feel a lot more secure in that pick. So last but not least, let's dive into my last pick. So if you didn't watch the the combine, you may not have seen this, but Colleen Wolf, on-air talent for the NFL Network, they did a segment, an interview with Ben Barch, offensive lineman for St. John's. Um, apparently, he has a very interesting strategy for weight for gaining weight and putting on pounds. Um, so his strategy, it sounds you know normal at first. He he has a smoothie, right? Um, but what's in that smoothie is interesting, concerning, whatever words you want to use, weird maybe. Um, I'll, I'll detail it. I'll explain to you the ingredients in it. So first we got bananas. Not too bad, right? Sounds normal. Peanut butter. Okay. S- sort of normal, right? I mean, you can put peanut butter in a smoothie. Uh, cottage cheese. Uh, I'm not a fan, but, you know, that's acceptable, I guess. Uh, grits. Okay. Uh, also not my favorite, but sure. Then we go scrambled eggs, not raw eggs, scrambled eggs. He scrambles them first, takes them out, puts them in a pan, scrambles them up because apparently he's afraid of getting food poisoning. So he'll scramble some eggs. Uh, and then to top it all off, just add a little liquid in there. He'll use red Gatorade. Now, listen, I was fine with all this up until the red Gatorade. I'm more of a blue Gatorade type of guy myself. Um, honestly, I'm more of a Pedialyte type of guy. I think it's, it's you know, more authentic when it comes to hydration. But if you got to have Gatorade, you got to go blue. You know what I'm saying? That's the best flavor. So they make the smoothie. She's there. And then they get on one knee and they both, he chugs it. She just downs it. And she's like drinking a little bit of it. Like, I don't know if I'm trying to have this many calories and all that. And that's fine because it looked disgusting. And she, she, she said it was okay. It looked kind of nasty to me, but you know, it is what it is. I thought it was hilarious. She's my last loser because she had to do that. That's unfortunate. Um, anyways, that's going to wrap things up here on, on what has been a shorter episode of the weekly spiral. Thank you for tuning in to episode 29. We really appreciate it. Please check us out on Instagram. Um, check us out on Twitter, go to our website. You can find all the links to all our social handles, all our, uh, all our blog posts. We're doing a lot of draft coverage coming up here soon. Um, as well as some regular, regularly scheduled posts. Um, please check that out. Do us a huge favor, weeklyspiral.com. That would be awesome. And this has been episode 29 of the Weekly Spiral, bringing you fresh football every week. We really appreciate you tuning in. And we look forward to episode 30 next week.